You guys happy to be in church this weekend? Yes. So good to be with you. Also, everybody online, we're glad you are with us. You are in for a special treat. We have one of the friends of the house, a good friend of mine, Pastor John Weasel, is back with us. John has been coming to preach, preach with us ever since I've been here. He's spoken at men's conferences, uh, men's devos. He's done leadership stuff. He's preached here. In fact, he was here a year ago when we did our Got Question series, and we slapped each other with items in the face on this very stage as we answered deep theological questions. Uh, in fact, we learned a how to and how not to hit each other with a fish right here on the stage. Um, but John is a good friend of mine. We've been hanging out for a couple of days, and um, I want to say this. As I was sharing just what's going on in our church and what God is doing, and he was kind of telling me what God had been putting on his heart, I really believe he has a very timely word that is absolutely for Cape Christian right here and right now, even though God put this on his heart a while ago. And so I really think you're going to get a lot out of this, and you're going to be really excited to hear what he has to say. And so I just need you guys. He's been here many times, but give us another big Cape Christian welcome to our friend, Pastor John Weasel. Thank you, Pastor Corey. How's everybody doing? Come on, how's everybody doing? You excited to be in church today? Uh, listen, whoever's, whoever's in the, the, the media booth, you left that freeze frame of just like 30 seconds way too long of my face and the fish. It's good to be back at Cape Christian. Uh, I go, did you put it back up? Okay, I just wasn't sure. There was a giggle, there was a chuckle in the room. I wasn't sure if it went back up. It's good to be back. Uh, I go to different places and speak. Um, but one thing that I can say about Cape Christian is, is you have definitely left your mark on me. And, uh, and hopefully I've, I've had some kind of impact in your life, maybe even just a little bit. But you have had an eternal impact on my life. Maybe not eternal. That might be a little bit too much. Um, but every morning, I will say this, every morning... I think about Cape Christian. Aww, right? Like some of you are like, oh, that's so sweet. He's, no, it's because when I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, there's a scar on my face <laughs> from the gill that cut me. If you were here last year and you, you saw that, you remember there was, I was bleeding and, and no joke, there were, there were first responders and nurses and paramedics in the back room, like, you need to make sure it doesn't get infected. They had me worried that we were going to have to do a skin graft on my face, but <laughs> needless to say, I'm back. It's good to be back. Pastor Corey, thank you for having me back. And I think if you ever slap somebody in the face with a fish, you should always invite, I should just have a standing invitation <laughs> to come back at this point. But uh, it's good to be here. If you don't know me, if this is your first time, my name is Pastor John Weasel. I pastor a church in Omaha, Nebraska. I've been married for 18 years, have four beautiful children. This is my family. Go and put that picture up there. Uh, me and my wife, Angel. And then we've got uh, Isaiah, Jace, and Carter. And then our little princess, Jewel, there. Uh, we had three boys. And, you know, parents, if, if you have multiple kids, you, you know those conversations. Do we keep trying? Like, there's nothing wrong with continuing to practice, but do we... Do we do we keep, should we, should we, should we try for one more? And of our four kids, what I can say is we have successfully planned one of them. <laughs> First one was a surprise. He was three months old and then surprise, we were pregnant with number two. And then Isaiah came and we, we figured, we kind of figured some stuff out at that point. 
And, uh, and we waited about two and a half years and decided, I think we're ready, which we weren't, but I think we're ready. And so let's, let's have a third. And then we were blessed with Carter. And, and I was set. I was good. I had three boys. That was my goal for some. And, and I was good to go. My wife had always wanted, she wanted the princess, right? She wanted to have a baby girl. And it's like, well, we have three boys. I don't know if, if all we can do is make boys. I don't know how that works. Uh, and so we started having those conversations. Like, do we, do we try? If we have four boys, are we good with four boys? Are we good with just the three? What do we do? And it was while we were having those conversations that, surprise, we got pregnant. And uh, when we found out that we were getting a girl, it was like, okay, turn off whatever needs to be turned off, cut, tie, do whatever. <laughs> like, triple not that thing, right? Like, and, uh, and so we, we finally had this little girl who changed our lives forever. <laughs> if you have boys and girls, you know that there is a world of difference between a little boy and a little girl. And as they get older, that difference doesn't shrink. It just expands. And the difference between a 11, 12, 13 year old boy and an 11 year old girl, like, are you even the same species? What is happening here? If we had had her first, we wouldn't have had. My picture would be three of us. If we had the girl first, like, oh, we're good. Like we're done. This is, this is too much for me. Cause that roller coaster of just like whiplash and just every day it comes home. Like this is what my, from the time she gets in the car till we get home, this is what I did in this class. And this is what I did in this class. And this is what somebody said. And could you believe that at recess, this girl and this girl got into an argument about who was better friends with me. And then at lunch, and it's just nonstop. My boys get in there like, hey, how was school? Eh? And that's it. And if you don't have the gift of discernment, <laughs> you will not know anything that is happening in your teenage son's life. But, but we're blessed with this little girl. She's just, she's incredible. She's incredible because, because she's just enough princess, right? She's got her own little mini fridge <laughs> in her bedroom. And it's not for her to keep snacks and drinks and, and things away from her brothers. But she has this mini fridge in her bedroom for all of her skincare products. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I'm, like there are sugar scrubs and there are salt scrubs and there are things in there that I didn't even know existed. And her whole bedtime routine is like 30 minutes long because she is just a princess. But she has three older brothers. So if you look at her crooked, she will throw hands with the best of them. <laughs> She's this like anomaly. And I remember when she was little, my, my parents have a pool and I remember when she was, it's in Nebraska, right? It's not like it's Florida where everybody has a pool. Ooh, we have pools. <laughs> a little bitter, but hey, you know, we can golf year round, ooh. We have snow. Um, <laughs> You have to fake it at Christmas. We don't. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'll take that trade. That's fine. But my parents had a pool, and, and when she was little, she would run to the edge. And I remember, you know, Dad, you've been there. You're in the pool, and the kid's on the edge of the pool, and it's like, just jump. Dad will catch you. Just, just jump. 
I remember she just being so fearless would just run and just cannonball into my arms. Baby, it's okay. Daddy's here. Dad, I can't swim. I understand you can't swim, but I can't. Daddy, I, I don't know what, what, what. It's okay. I'm here. Do you think daddy is going to hurt you? No, daddy, you're not going to hurt me. Do you think daddy would ever let you? No, daddy, you're not going to. Do you know that daddy loves you? He's protecting you. Yes, dad. Okay, then jump. Just trust me, right? How many parents you've ever said that to your, just trust me. Trust me. And it's not just as a two-year-old jumping into the pool, but my 17-year-old, like, son, I know what I'm talking, just trust me. That girl, just trust me. And she would run and she would jump into my arms as an act of, as an act of trust. What is that? It's faith. It's faith. And I want us to talk about faith for a minute because faith is one of those things that we we often can talk about and throw around in church. But if we're not really understanding what it means, if we don't really know what, what Jesus, what the Bible is asking us to do with it, we can miss so much. Maybe, maybe you're new to Christ. And maybe, maybe you've recently placed faith in Jesus. And now, now you read the Bible and, and there's this life of faith that we read about in the internet. What is that? I thought faith was just a prayer that I prayed so I didn't have to go to hell when this thing is all over. You want me to live it, live it out? Absolutely. What is it? It's, it's trust. It's believing in him. It's, it's walking with him. So many times Jesus was approached in the New Testament by people who with their words said, I believe in you, but their actions said something different. Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And he says, okay. You want to be my disciple? You got to pick up your cross, die to yourself every single day. That means getting rid of your desires and your hopes and your wishes and your plans. Those are all cute. But now it's about living, living according to my plans and my hopes and my desires and the purpose that I've created you for. So, so you've got to leave yourself behind and you have to, to pick up your cross and die to your flesh. I thought, I thought I was getting eternal life, not daily death. You want me to do what? Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. He's like, all right, well, we're going to be sleeping in the dirt tonight because the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but I got no place to stay. Uh, I was thinking more like the Hilton. <laughs> Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it's not going to be comfortable. But that's the life of faith. Jesus, what must I do? Go and sell everything you have. And the young man walked away sad. Why? Because he owned a lot and was not willing to part with it. So there's this life of faith, but we have to understand what faith is. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're given the definition of faith. Here is what faith is. The Bible tells us that faith shows us the reality, the reality of what we hope for. Well, that's just in my head. No, there is a reality that you need to live by according to what you hope for. It's the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. We think of faith oftentimes as if I cross my fingers tight enough, and if I close my eyes and I just sit here and I wait, God, please, God, I'm having faith. God, I'm hoping, God, I'm believing, God, I can't see it, but will you please heal my body? Will you please restore my marriage? God, will you please bless my finances? God, will you please? 
And we think that's faith. That's not faith. That's not faith. Because faith takes what you believe and then puts it into action. What you need to understand is that, that faith is not inactive. It's not this passive thing, but, but faith is very, very much active. It needs to be in your life. So you're like, well, I don't have faith. No, you do. You just have faith in the wrong thing. I could spend all day with you and I could, I could, I could observe you and watch you and, and talk to you and have all of the conversations and ask all of the questions and examine your bank account. And at the end of that day, I could tell you what you believe. I can tell you where your faith is because according to your faith, that's the way that you live it out. It's not just as this blind hope that God is going to one day. No, it, it puts into practice in daily life. You read Hebrews chapter 11, here's what faith is. And then it goes on to talk to us about all these great men and women of faith that we read about in scripture. By faith, Abel offered an offering that was acceptable to God. By faith, Noah, before he saw the rain, built the ark and him and his family were saved. By faith, Abraham took his son, his only son, up the mountain to worship God, willing to offer his kid as a sacrifice in obedience to what God had asked him to do. By faith, Moses stood at the Red Sea and lifted up his staff. By faith, Joshua and Israel walked around the city of Jericho seven times and shouted at those walls. By faith, they did. Don't just say by faith they hoped. By faith they crossed their fingers. By faith they put into action what they actually believed. What do your actions say about what you believe in? Have you ever put your faith in the wrong thing though? Come on. You ever trusted something you shouldn't have trusted? You ever trust a fart that you, no, I'm sorry, that wasn't. It's not what I meant to say. <laughs> some of you are laughing way too hard at that. And some of you are like, can he just go back to Omaha now? <laughs> I remember one time I was in Hawaii with my grandpa. My grandpa lives in Hawaii and uh, we went to visit him. And so we get in the car and, and we were driving somewhere to go do something. And, and he says, I got to stop for gas. And he says, and, and while I'm there, do you like sushi? So yeah, grandpa likes sushi. He's like, all right, well, let's stop and get gas and I'll get you some sushi. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, no, what you meant to say was we'll stop and get gas and then we'll go somewhere else and you'll get me sushi. Like, what, do you, wh what is this yeah. fantasy place that you live in that you're gonna get gas and sushi at the same place? So he gets out of his car, we pull up to the pump, gets out of his car, starts pumping the gas, pops his head in the door. He's like, what kind of sushi do you want? And I'm looking around for a sushi restaurant. Like, where are you going to get? He's like, do you like salmon rolls, tuna rolls? Like, what, 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 what do you prefer? I was like, give me whatever. I don't know. I've never ordered sushi at a gas station. I'm sorry. I don't know. This is my first time. And so he goes in, he pays for his gas, and then he comes back out with this little platter and just hands it to me in the back seat. Listen, where I come from, there is not sushi in the gas station. We have those little rollers that the taquitos and the hot dogs are on. And if you're lucky, they, they changed them that morning. There's the little spinny pizza thing with the heat lamp, but there is not a sushi bar in gas stations in Omaha. And so he says, here, here's your sushi. And I, I opened it and I ate it to this day. Best sushi I've ever tasted in my life. Best sushi I've ever had. 
a couple years later, I was in Montana doing a, speaking at a camp, and we went to, to get groceries one night, went to get something to eat. We walk into this grocery store in, in Montana, and there was this, this cooler full of sushi. Like, I could, get, I could get sushi at a grocery store because I've had sushi at a gas station. Can I tell you that gas station sushi in Hawaii is not grocery store sushi in Montana? <laughs> and I took that sushi and I ate that sushi and I had faith in that sushi and I trusted in that sushi and I should not have. There are things in our lives that we put our trust in, we put our faith in that are going to let us down. But can I tell you that God never will? Can I tell you that, that trust in God will never be misplaced? That faith in God and living for God and putting all of it into his hands. And so when God comes to you and he's like, hey, listen, I, I, want, you to, I want you to have faith. I want you to trust me. Okay, God, I trust you. No, you're gonna have to give it to me. Define give. Like, can I just lend it to you? Can you just borrow it? No, you want your marriage to be healed? Place it into my hands. You want your husband to get saved? Place him in. You mean I can't just control him into this? Come on, is that a little too real for... I can't just manipulate. I can't just control. I can't just control my own finances. I can't just make sure I invest it correctly. You want me to what? But trusting God is never misplaced. What do your actions say about what you trust in? See, the, the sad thing is for many Jesus followers, the, the reality is we trust more in our inability than we trust in God's ability. God asks us to, to step out and to do something and to take a risk. Like, God, I, I can't do that because I know I'm going to fail. God, I can't do that because I, I can't afford to do that right now. You want me to be generous? I can't afford to be generous. Can I tell you, you can't afford not to be? You want me to, you want me to start serving? That's crazy. You want me to do what? No, I can't, I can't do that because I'm gonna fail. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't lead a group because, because what if somebody asks me a question that I don't have the answer to and, and all of our insecurities and our inabilities and the reasons why we can't come rushing to our mind and when God asks us to do something or he, he's calling us to go a little bit deeper, he's asking us to trust him a little bit more. The first thing out of our mouths, like Moses at the burning bush, God, I'm, I'm unqualified. God, what if, they, what, if, what if they see right through me? God, what if they know that I'm a fraud? God, what if, what if, what if? And God's like, but what if it works out? Like, what if you just trusted in me and I came through for you and exactly what you've been praying for happens? What if your marriage is restored? What if your kids come back to Jesus? What if, what if? But we'll never know until we put our trust and our faith in him. See, we believe in our inabilities. Jewel, time after time, would run to the pool and just, Daddy, catch me. Daddy, catch me. Got to the point where I caught her so many times, she would even stop warning me she was jumping. It went from Daddy, catch me, to Daddy, catch me, to Daddy, look, to just Daddy, to just Dad, to just nothing. And you got to keep your eye on her because she could jump at any time. And you better be ready. Why? Because she had done it time and again. And because daddy had caught her 
every single time she jumped, there was not a question in her mind. And then my niece would come around. They were about the same age and she would walk up to the edge of the pool and I'd be in the pool. It's like, all right, Stella, jump. I can't. Stella, jump. You saw a jewel jump, right? Yeah, I saw a jewel jump. Don't you want to jump in like jewel? I wish I could, but I can't. Why? I'm right here. Just reach out. Just, just hold my hand and jump. I'm scared. Why are you scared? Because I can't swim. Baby girl, I know you can't swim, but I'm standing right here. But what happens if you don't catch me and I drown? What happens? What's the difference? The difference is Jewel knew me. And because she knew me, she knew that she could trust me. And because she knew that she could trust me, she had no problem saying yes when I asked something of her or called her to a place of, of vulnerability and transparency and uncertainty. And, and it's, it's a risk. But she didn't have to think twice about it. Why? Because my dad's caught me every time. Why would he drop me now? Versus Stella, and she knows Uncle John loves her. I just can't bring myself. What's the difference between those who say yes to Jesus every time and those who don't? Is that the ones who do say yes know him in a way that those who don't can't. Can't understand, can't fathom. But when God calls you to do something and you take that step and he's there with you and he goes before you and he goes behind you and he, he asks you to, to do something that seems crazy and yet his provision comes in that way. It allows you to boast, even in my inability, yes, especially because of your inability. The Apostle Paul would write in the New Testament, like there, there's this thing and I've been praying and I've been asking God and, and his answer has been the same. My grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So I will boast all the more about my weakness so that Jesus's power and strength can rest upon me. It's not about how, how weak I am. It's about how how strong my God is. That's what Jewel was saying. It's not about the fact that I can't swim, but I know that my dad can. And if we would just get to know him, see, see, I think in, in church, sometimes it's like, well, I just gotta have more faith. I gotta build my faith. I gotta do this. I gotta stir up my faith. You don't have to stir up your faith. What you have to do is you have to get to know the object of your faith a little bit better. I just gotta work it up. No, you don't. You just have to get to know him a little bit more. Spend a little bit more time with him. Get to know his heart. Get to know his character. That's the only way Jewel was able to jump because she knew me. She knew dad. I think there are two things that hinder our faith. Number one, we don't know him. Because we don't know him, we can't trust him. And because we can't trust him, there is no faith in our lives. We might come to church and say that there is and sing songs about the fact that there is. But then when we go and live, it's, it's you know, what's my 401k looking like? And, and, and what can I do to make a way and to make this happen? And, and if I could just work hard enough. And it's never God, I give it to you. Do whatever you want with it. Because I know your plans are better than my plans anyway. because we don't know him. And number two, I think is because we're just lazy. We just don't want to do the work because there is something that is required of us as he, as he calls us to take that step. And as he, he calls us out, ask yourself, what, what do my actions say that that I really believe in? In Mark chapter 11, Jesus told us what to put our faith in. He says, have faith in God. Don't just have faith to have faith. 
But he says, have faith in God. Get to know him. And as he calls you out, be willing to do the work. Roll your sleeves up. Get your hands a little bit dirty. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult. You're not going to know sometimes. But listen, do you know how many times God has called me to do something that I've fully understood? Zero times. God, I don't get it. It's okay. But do you trust me? God, I want to. Okay, then spend some time with me and get to know me. God, it doesn't make sense, okay? And that's fine, and I don't expect it to, but do you trust me? Yes, because last time you asked me to do something crazy, it worked out. So I have no reason to believe it's not going to this time. Okay, well, if I did it, then I'll do it again. God, do I, do I really? Yes, you do. There's a story in, in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 3, that I think illustrates this point. And just to give you context, 2 Kings chapter 3, we, we find the nation of Israel split into two kingdoms. You've got Israel in the north, Judah in the south, two different kings, two different kingdoms. Well, the, the kingdom of, of Israel is going to war against Moab, and so they go down to their cousins in Judah, and they're like, hey, uh, there's this dude that wants to fight me after school. You got my back? And Judah's like, yeah, we're family. You know we have your back. And he's like, all right, flagpole 315. I'll see you there. As long as you're with me, I know we'll be good. This is, of course, the John Weasel translation. You won't find this word for word in your scripture. But we'll go to war with you. We'll fight with you. And so they, they, they get their troops together. They get the animals together. And they head out towards Moab. They, they go through the, the wilderness and this, this desert place, this dry place. And the Bible says about seven days into their journey, into their trip, their, the water runs dry. The water they took with them, there is, there is no more. The, the streams, the rivers, the, the pools, all of those are dry. There's no water for the army. There's no water for their animals, no water for anybody. And so they're like, we're in a tight spot, boys. What should we do? Somebody was like, maybe we should ask God. Good idea. But can I tell you, listen, this is just on the side. It's always better to ask God before you do something than in the middle of it. It's not that God in his providence can't get you right back, but if Jonah had just prayed on the port, on the dock, like he prayed from the belly of that whale, he could have saved himself a lot of trouble. There are things in my life that I could have saved myself a lot of trouble had I just asked God before I did something stupid. Like, God, do you want me to do this? And allow him to say yes or no, and then be obedient in that. But they, 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 they say, okay, well, who can, who can go to God for us? Is there a prophet around? Somebody's like, yeah, I saw Elisha's tent. Call Elisha. And so they, they call upon Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 3, here's what happens when they, when they go down to Elisha. Elisha says to these, to these kings, he says, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, who's the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't see you. This is, he's speaking to the king in, uh, of Israel. He said, but because you're with my boy, Jehoshaphat, I'll talk to you. But if it was just you, Elijah told me what your mom Jezebel did to all the other prophets. I know how you've been worshiping those false gods. I know how you've turned your back on God, but because you're with Jehoshaphat, listen, make sure that you have people around you that have the favor of God on them. Be careful the company that you keep. He said, because you have Jehoshaphat, Okay, let's see what we can do. So he goes to God. Next verse. Verse 15. He says, now bring me a musician. 
This is wild to me. Here are these men dying of thirst. These kings humble themselves, bring themselves down to the prophet, say, can you ask God what we're supposed to do? First of all, I don't like you. You're cool. Yeah, I'll see what God has to say, but first give me a beat. (laughs) Bring me a musician. And then that beat drops, right? And in my mind, he takes the hood of his cloak and he puts it up and he starts bobbing his head to the beat and he becomes B-Rabbit from 8 Mile. Now everybody from the 313. And he starts, bring me a musician, somebody that can play me a tune. And as the musician begins to play, the hand of the Lord comes upon him. Verse 16, here's what God says through the man of God. Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of what? We ask for water. I know what you asked for, but dig ditches. Well, but I said no onions on my burger. I didn't order this. I know. But if you want what you ask for, you have to do it God's way. And God says, make this, don't just dig one ditch, make the valley full of them, get to work. God, that's so stupid. (laughs) Have you ever had that conversation with God? (laughs) God, that's dumb. God, that doesn't make sense. God, are you sure? God, that's weird. God, that's crazy. Listen, it's only crazy till it's not crazy. It's only crazy to us because we don't understand his ways. It's only crazy to us because we don't see the whole picture. It's only crazy to us because we've never been that way. It's only crazy to us because we've never fought that enemy. But the battles that you're facing, God is already speaking of in past tense because he's already been there. He's already given you the victory. He's just asking you to walk it out. Make this valley full of ditches. God, that doesn't make any sense. I know. Joshua, walk around this city seven times and then scream at it. God, did you see how thick those walls are? They're racing chariots on top of those walls and you want us to yell at it? Seven times and then scream. Okay, God. This is so stupid. (laughs) This doesn't even make sense. Caleb's like, Joshua, what are we doing, bro? And Joshua's like, I don't know. What lap are we on? This is three and a half. How many times did he say? Seven. And what do we do when we're done? He said to yell. (laughs) What do we yell? I don't think that matters. (laughs) What are the, what's the band going to do? They're going to play their instruments. And then we just yell? Dude, this is so stupid. I know. All right, that's seven. Ah! And they shout, and what happens? It's only crazy, so it's not crazy. 
Moses, just stand there and hold your stick in the air. God, Pharaoh's right there. And he has chariots. I know, watch this, it's gonna be cool. No, God. Just hold your stick in the air. In the Red Sea parts. It's only crazy until it's not. Listen, you are not called to understand what God is asking you to do. You are called to obey. You'll never understand. Pastor Corey moved from Omaha to Florida. That's crazy. Listen, I remember having that conversation with Corey. And he's like, dude, I think I'm gonna go take a church. I said, why? I was an executive pastor. He was an executive pastor. And we told each other many times, we will never lead churches. I'm never gonna lead a church. Nope, not for me. And God's like, ha, 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 ha. Like, dude, that's crazy. It's only crazy till it's not crazy. Now I get to come golf anytime that I want. I'm like, yes. God, this is the greatest thing you've ever done. You'll never understand it. But one day you will look back and it's like, oh God, that's what you were doing. I heard about this, this lady who was like, it was asking God for a table. God, give me a table. God, make me a table. God, God, provide a table for me. And God's response to her was, I don't make tables. I make trees. I've given you trees. Do something with the wood that I've given you. Second Peter says, everything that we need for living a godly life, God's already given to us. How? By knowing his son, Jesus. So whatever it is that you need in your life, the answer is there in his name is Jesus. It's faith and it's trust in him. Dig a ditch, get to work, do your part. Listen, we want God to do what only God can do and God will only do what you can't when you do what you do. Some of you missed that. God, I need you because I've tried. God, I need you to do what I can't do. God says, okay, but do what you can do. God, we need water. Our animals are dying and our soldiers are getting weary. God, we need water. Okay, you can't make water, but you can dig ditches. What is a ditch? A ditch is an empty space. Something was there, but now has been removed. God wants to move in your life, but he can't until you fill some space for him. We're so full of ourselves and the world that when God comes to pour out, it's like, ah, there's no room. There's no empty space. God, restore my marriage, dig a ditch. Honor your husband, love your wife. Well, I will win she. No, 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 no. You have to dig a ditch before you see the water. God, bring my kids back. God, God, restore my, dig a ditch. Invest in them, spend time with them, get to know what they're interested in. Take interest in the things that they do. Stop letting your iPad parent your kids. God, heal my body, dig a ditch. Are you willing to put down that fifth piece of pizza? and go to the gym three times a week to take care. God, heal my body, stop filling it with junk. Dig a ditch. 
Are you willing to do what you can so that God can come in and do what you can't? God, bless my finances, dig a ditch. You want me to do what? Dig a ditch and watch what happens. Verse 17, I love God's response. And, and here's what God says. He says, you'll, you'll not see the wind, you won't see the rain, yet the valley will be filled with water. God, do it. God, move in my life. Okay, but you're not going to see it until you see it. You're not going to know when or where it's coming from. I think so often it's like, okay, God, move. And when I see God move, then I will. When God blesses my finances, then I'll start being generous. Then I'll be obedient in the tithe. When God, when, when God gets a hold of my husband, then I'll start honoring him. God says, you're not going to see it, but are you willing to dig a ditch? You're not going to know when, but are you willing to put in the work? The story of the Chinese bamboo tree baffles my mind, and we're almost done. Chinese bamboo tree is an interesting thing because you plant a seed in the ground, and you have to daily go back and water it every single day for five years and you will see nothing on the surface. For five years, investing, pouring in, doing what you can, never seeing any fruit. And then after five years, a Chinese bamboo tree will grow 90 feet into the air in a matter of five weeks. What would happen if you stopped watering at year two or at year three or year four? or year four and day 360. You could be this close, but don't, don't stop. Dig a ditch. What is God asking you to do? Where do you need God to move? Where do you need to clear some space for him? Because it's when we clear space for God that he comes and he fills those valleys full of water. Amen. 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 Stand with me. As we... As we close service, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to, I want to, real quickly, as we talk about faith, can't help but, but feel like there might be some in the room or watching online that maybe you're just checking out this whole Christianity thing and what is Jesus all about? You have not placed your faith in him. The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death and that we've all sinned. And we deserve to die for our sin. And yet God in his mercy and in his grace sent his son to pay the price for you. It says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. How do we access that eternal life? It's by admitting that we are sinners in need of a savior, repenting of our sin, turning from them, placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And by grace, through faith in him, we are saved. What Pastor Brian said earlier, that restored relationship and that position that we have, it's, it's restored, but it's through faith in Christ. And if you've never called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says that if you wanna be saved, all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you would be adopted into his family. And so today, if you're here and you wanna place your faith in Jesus Christ, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand? I wanna pray for you really quickly. Anybody, anybody today need to give their heart to the Lord? 
care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. You can put it back down. Here's what the Bible says, that there are angels rejoicing in heaven over one. Over one. And so today I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to pray for the rest of us. And as I do, I would just encourage you, ask God, God, what ditch are you asking me to dig? What step are you asking me to take? And would my actions show louder than any word I could ever say that I trust in you? Lord, I thank you tonight for those that have, have raised their hand and placed faith in you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw their hearts to the Father. Lord, that you would lead us, that you would guide us. I thank you that the old is gone, the new has come. And Lord, lead us in paths of righteousness. Transform us into the image of your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave up your life willingly. You shed your blood and you allowed your body to be broken so that we could be restored and have the hope of eternal life. Today, would you lead us? Would you guide us as we call upon you, as we place our faith in you? Lord, for those of us that are here and and we're on this spiritual journey. Lord, I pray that you would show us through your Holy Spirit the ditches that we need to dig. We need you to move. We're asking you to move. We want you to move. And you will move when we do what we can do. Lord, help us to dig those ditches, to clear space for you to do what we can. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Can we thank John for bringing the word? You can stay standing. Stay standing. Thank you, John. Give me 60 seconds, I'll be out of here. I want to say two things. Some of you, uh, you guys can stay standing. Just, this will just be a second. Some of you, um, I believe that when he was talking about doing what you can do, like immediately you knew the ditch you need to dig, whether it's your marriage, your finances, a relationship, just faith, whatever it may be. I would encourage you to lean into that, pray into that, even tell somebody. If you don't know what it is, but you know God's calling you to dig a ditch, I can almost guarantee you, if you create a little space this week, he'll show you what that ditch, that ditch is. He'll give you, put something on your heart about where you need to move that needle. Secondly, if you are the one of the ones that raised your hand and said, I need to put my faith in Jesus, you, we want to welcome you into the family of God. You've made the most amazing, important decision you'll ever make in your life. We're all about that here. We want to help you maximize that journey, know what it is without overwhelming you. We've made it unbelievably easy for us to connect with you. All we would ask you to do on your way out of the, the room is just grab your phone and text the word KPS, all one word, KPS, to 94000. You're going to get a video from me. We're going to connect with you, and we're going to make sure that you get all that there is to this faith journey. Um, for the rest of us, uh, I'm so glad that you were here this week. I'm really excited to hear in the next days and weeks to come the stories of what God puts in the ditches that you're about to dig. Love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week.